Even though this is a presidential election, there are many more candidates on the ballot besides the president. So go to Ballot Ready for a nonpartisan guide to your entire ballot. From there, you can compare candidates based on the stances on issues, biography, or endorsements, and then save your choice to use when you vote by mail or in the voting booth. You can even request your absentee ballot or make a plan to vote early or on Election Day. This election matters. So make sure you are ready and you vote and you vote informed. So visit go to ballot.org, enter your address to make sure that you vote and vote informed. And welcome to the PBL Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. Your host here, Eve Vandervliet, without his trusted canine co-host, Woody. Woody has taken the day off, being that it is Columbus Day. And if you are one of those persons that are triggered because of the so-called atrocities performed by Christopher Columbus, well, happy Columbus Day. And if Woody were here, by the way, he would have that one wolf for you, and that wolf would be to please like, subscribe, share, follow, and rate this podcast. Help us move up in the algorithm because life is not a matrix. Life is an algorithm. And again, big thank you to everybody. Last week was a tremendous week for the PBL podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor, the best week that we've had so far doing the show, and we appreciate it so much. So please, please continue in that support. Again, like, follow, share, subscribe, rate this podcast. It helps move us up in the algorithm. I'll get that word out so more people can find us. All right, what a weekend it was. Now, hopefully you're having a tremendous weekend. I know holiday weekends, people go out with the family. I did as well. My family and I went to Hilton Head, South Carolina, got this nifty hat at the Salty Dog Cafe. So if you're watching this on the YouTube channel, you see me pointing at my hat. Anyway, it was a wonderful time, beautiful weather, couldn't have asked for better weather. Actually, it was really raining heavily in the Atlanta market where we live. So it's nice to get out of that rain and go to the beautiful, beautiful Oceanside, Hilton Head, South Carolina. So now that we're back, it's Columbus Day. Oh, my goodness, the amount of news that came out over the weekend. We got a lot to talk about. We've got the Supreme Court hearings are going to start this week. We'll get into that. Uh, the enthusiasm gap between Biden and Trump seems to be growing. So we're going to get into that. Is Hillary Clinton the October surprise again? We'll talk about that. Antifa has not gone away, ladies and gentlemen. The media is not covering it like it was, but Antifa, they they did some things over the weekend, too, that are just kind of, what? And, I mean, this group, this group. Uh, Biden, well, Biden's in the news, of course. He's running for president of the United States, but we're going to talk about the media. Are they finally holding Biden accountable? Get out. Can't be, right? And then Keith Oberman is back. We don't know why, but Keith Oberman is back. Have you heard the rant? Have you heard his rant? Well, you're going to hear his rant. <laughs> so wait till you hear this man's rant. Anyway, let's get into, first off, let's talk about the hearings. So we've got a lot going on with the Supreme Court nomination. This is, you know, the, the left, they don't know what to do with this. They're having a real hard time with Amy Coney Barrett being the pick because they don't know where or how to attack her without alienating votes. I've said this often. This is a um, 
a margins election. This is, this is a base election. There's not going to be a whole lot of middle ground people here. I mean, people are either voting for Trump or they're voting for Biden. So both sides have to do whatever they can to get their base out. And if they alienate their base in any way, shape, or form, and it suppresses them even a little, they'll lose the election. Now, the base is fired up for Amy Coney Barrett. I mean, the base is fired up that Donald Trump gets a third pick and that she's a pretty solid conservative. Now, because of that, which I, I was surprised that he picked her because she's such a solid conservative, I thought he would go with a safer pick, that judge in Florida who's of Cuban descent, who the Senate, the, you know, even more Democrats voted for her to put her on her current seat than Amy Coney Barrett. Amy Coney Barrett, I think, won 55 votes out of the 100 to get on the current district that she's over. Whatever, I can't remember exactly where it is. I think it's Illinois. But anyway, the, the left... Uh, supported the other candidate, the other uh, potential nominee, more so than this one. So it's a bold pick for Trump, but is it really? It riles up the base. It helps the base because the base wanted her. So it's a base election. So this is another one of those masterful chess moves by Donald Trump. He knows that if she gets seated, it's going to get his base out. And there's, at this point in time, there's, there's no indication that she is not going to be seated. In fact, here's a piece from John Solomon, Just the News. It's headlined, Six Issues to Watch in Amy Coney Barrett Confirmation Hearing. One is the ide ideological split. So the left's going to try to really go after because this gives the conservatives a 6-3 advantage. Now, one of the things I've mentioned before is the GOP is horrible at, at placing uh, – Supreme Court nominees and this, that Supreme Court nominee uh, doing the GOP bidding. And not that that's a bad thing. It's actually a good thing because what the GOP historically, statistically has done is they have placed constitutionalists as the nominee. And that's what you want. It doesn't always go the GOP's way. John Roberts is a good example of that. Uh, Justice Kennedy is a good example of that. And there are tons of examples throughout history that a GOP pick didn't exactly support all of the GOP policies. That's not a bad thing. That's being non-hypocritical. However, on the left, there's historical data that shows the left, when they pick a judge that's left-leaning, they go follow the left's ideology almost verbatim. We're seeing that on the court now. So, <clears throat> so this is a good pick. This is a great pick. And here's why it helps the base. And here's why it was a st strategically just a wonderful pick. It helps the base for the reasons I just explained. She's conservative. She leans conservative. But it also, uh, it, it's, there, there are 53 Republican senators in the Senate. Two of them already said they're not going to vote. Um, I think Maine, Collins out of Maine and then... Um, uh, the senator out of Alaska, Mikulski, I'm drawing a blank on her name, doesn't matter. And they were worried whether or not uh, Romney was going to be another, who's going to be the third. And then let's say Romney was a third. That means there's 50 senators in the Senate that are Republican that will vote for Amy Coney Barrett. And then Pence comes in as a tiebreaker. There's 51. Boom. She's in. Romney said he will vote. So by all stretch of the imagination, it looks like she's going to be seated. And the left is apoplectic about this because they know it's going to help Trump's base and they know it's going to hurt them in the courts for a generation. This is huge. And it all starts this week. So how vicious and vile will they get?
I don't know. <clears throat> I hear the six things, again, as in John Solomon's piece, the ideological split of the court, Obamacare. Uh, the high court is slated to hear arguments on November 10th on several GOP states' effort to invalidate the Affordable Health Care Act. So they left their, again, apoplectic. That word keeps coming up when you're talking about the left. Barrett's faith, they're going to use that as a wedge. They're going to, you know, they're trying to say that she was an inspiration for the handmaid, Handmaid's Tale. The author of the book said she's not. So they're going to try to use her faith as a wedge. They did that in her confirmation hearing for the um, seat she has now. They're going to use abortion as a wedge because, you know, the left, they love abortion. That's their one issue. So they're going to use that as a wedge, gun rights and immigration. None of this is surprising and none of this will stick. None of it. They will lose, and they'll lose badly. I mean, the left, I mean, the rhetoric from the left is just amazing right now. You know, sticking on the Supreme Court topic, okay, Amy Comey Barrett is going to be seated, seated on the Supreme Court. Hearings will be this week. Uh, Lindsey Graham, who heads the chair, or whatever chair it is that proceeds over this stuff, uh, says that she'll be seated by the 27th of this month. So going into the election, we'll have nine Supreme Court justices. So now the left, what they're doing is saying that if she is placed, if they win the presidency and if they win the Senate, they will pack the court. I'm going somewhere with this. You've heard this already. You've heard Biden saying that he will not t tell you, the voter, me, the voter, whether or not he's going to pack the court if he wins. He says that, you know. I won't give you an answer until after the election, which is nonsense. He's running for the highest position in the land, and he's not going to tell us his position on packing the court. And again, the left, well, I've said this before, rule of thumb, whatever the left accuses you of doing, they are doing. They've now come out and have accused the right, the GOP, of packing the courts. It's, it's amazing that they actually have unabashedly come out and said that Donald Trump has been packing the court. The GOP has been packing the court. It's absolutely mind-boggling, and it's absolutely ludicrous. ludicrous. Sorry, I got that word wrong. So um, it, the, it's like here, here's an article from Daily Wire. Biden, Dems accused GOP of court packing for filling vacancies, confirming conservative judge. Do they not know what court packing is or, or do they think you are that stupid? Now, here's what it really is. They know what it is. They're not stupid people. Never underestimate the left. They are not stupid. They're horrible strategists but they are not stupid. They know what court packing is, and we'll get into that in a second, but they don't believe you do. And they know, they absolutely know their base doesn't. Their base, yes, is that stupid. You're not. You're not part of their base. If you were that stupid, you'd be part of their base. You're not. So the left does this, not this meme of court packing or this, this, rhetoric of court packing because again this is a base election they're worried they're worried their base will not get out so they've got to do something and they're in a full-on panic mode because of the enthusiasm for this president so they've got to do something to get their people riled up and what they're doing 
is they're now accusing the GOP of court packing because that's what they want to do because they know they can't win an election. So in this article by the Daily Wire, Democrat nominee Joe Biden, left-leaning activists and sympathetic media figures are now pressing the idea that Republicans filling vacancies on the federal court and confirming conservative judges constitutes court packing, despite such actions having nothing to do with actually packing the court. After dodging questions on whether he supports adding seats to the Supreme Court in order to contra, contra, counteract, I'm sorry, conservative influence, especially if Judge Amy Coney Barrett is confirmed in the next several weeks, Biden accused Republicans of unconstitutional behavior and packing the court themselves. Did you hear that? Biden accused Republicans of unconstitutional behavior and packing the courts themselves. <sighs> The only court packing that's going on right now is going on with Republicans, Biden said, or Biden insisted, the article says. It's nonsense. I mean, this man is uh, this close to the presidency. He's leading in the polls, and he says something as stupid and nonsensical as this. Again, it's not that he believes you're stupid. He knows you're not stupid, you being the conservative voter, because if you were stupid, you would be a Democrat voter. So the Daily Wire goes on to explain court packing, I think, in a phenomenal way. So I'm going to read this. Court packing, of course, has a very specific dif definition, as the Daily Wire noted on Sunday. The practice, which originated with Franklin Delano Roosevelt through the Judicial Procedures Reform Bill of 1937, involves appointing up to six additional justices to the Supreme Court for every justice older than 70 years, six months who has served 10 years or more. The U.S. Constitution set up America's high court but did not establish how many justices should serve, leaving that up to Congress. The Daily Wire's Joseph Curl noted, the Judiciary Act of 1789 put the number at six. That number rose to seven in 1807 and to nine in 1837. The number rose to 10 in 1863, then dropped back down to seven in 1866. In 1869, Congress raised the number of justices to nine where it has stood ever since. So now what the, what the Democrats are trying to tell you to make you believe, which is not you because you're smart, it's their frothing at the mouth leftist idiots that vote for Democrats without having a thought process and really any intellectual curiosity. They believe that just seating conservative justices is court packing. This is what the left is trying to do. This is how desperate they are. Think about that. This shows how desperate the left is. Dan Rather this is what he said, Dan Rather, of all people. Can we at least recognize that court packing at all levels of the judiciary has been the Republican playbook for decades, asking for Merrick Garland? This is absolute nonsense. Just nonsense. And Sam Berger, he puts out a tweet, conservative court packing in one chart. And all he's showing is the number of conservative judges or President Trump, the number of judges President Trump put up and from 2015 to 2018 versus uh, the judges by George W. Bush and Obama from 2007 to 2010. That's not court packing. That's filling the court. That's not packing. That's filling empty seats. It's not adding seats. But the left and the media, again, I repeat myself, are trying to tell you that that's court packing. Now listen to this clip. This is Meet the Press, Chuck Todd, interviewing Dick Durbin. I want to 
play a quote for you from um, former Vice President Joe Biden on this issue of expanding the court. Let me play for it and ask you about it on the other side. They'll know my opinion of court packing when the election is over. Now, look, the moment I answer that question, the headline in every one of your papers will be about that. Other than, other than focusing on what's happening now. Senator Durbin, did the fact that Vice President Biden used the phrase court packing, was that a tell of where the vice well, president stands on this, that, that he doesn't want to see this happen? Well, I can, I, I can tell you that uh, we're getting this question. It's a common question being asked because American people have watched the Republicans pack in the court over the last three and a half years, and they brag about it. They've taken every vacancy and filled it. Did you know that they've sent us, and we have approved only with their votes, I might add, uh, 10 people who have been, been judged unanimously unqualified by the American Bar Association? Do you know how many judicial nominees came from Obama who were judged unanimously unqualified? None. So we are dealing with people on the court, packed into the court with little or no qualification, uh, who are going to be there for a long time. So it's understandable. The Republicans raise the issue of court packing. See, they're trying to redefine what court packing is. They're trying to define it as ideological. They're trying to define it as who judges who is qualified. I mean, how ridiculous can this go? <clears throat> well, it's not going to work because the American people are smarter than that. But here's an article from Town Hall, shameless media peddling Democrat propaganda on court packing. So the media is propagating this. The, the, there's an article, it goes on in this article, and I'm not gonna read in this, that the AP put out an article about court packing, it had to back it away because uh, they were adopting Democrat talking points. This is, Amy Coney Barrett is not court packing. She's filling an open seat as written by the Constitution of the United States of America. The president has the authority to do this. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you may have heard over the last number of weeks, it's been out, out over media, I've played it here, famously said in 2016 that the president is elected for four years, not three years. President Trump has up until January, the morning of, I guess, January 20th to be president of the United States. He is fulfilling his constitutional duty, but what the left and the media are trying to do is trying to convince you that they're court packing or doing something unconstitutional. But really what they're doing, make no mistake about it, they are trying to rile up their base. They know there's an enthusiasm gap in this election. And so they have to lie, steal, cheat any way they can to win this election. And they know if their people are disenfranchised, their base are disenfranchised and sit it out, they lose the election. They know this. They know if the Bernie bros aren't fired up, they lose the election. They know if their far radical left-wing base, the Antifas of the world, the BLMs of the world, are disenfranchised and sit this out, they lose the election. They're not worried about the, the far-left radicals voting for Trump. They're worried about them sitting out the election. And they're, they're shooting themselves in the foot. It's just simply amazing how wrong they are and how off. Now, the media, the mainstream media, you're 22 days out of an election. 
if they don't start getting the stories right or start asking some challenging questions, they're, they're going to lose even more credibility than they have already lost. So you're starting to see them challenge some of these things. Here's a clip I'm going to play from uh, State of the Union, Jake Tapper, over this past weekend. He was talking with Biden's communications director. After, here's, here's the headline. I'll give you the headline, then I'll play the clip. Fireworks. CNN's Jake Tapper blasts Biden's communication director after she falsely claims confirming Amy Coney Barrett to SCOTUS would be unconstitutional. Now, I'm going to put this in the show notes. You've got to see Jake Tapper's face on this because he's, he's like almost laughing at this person. But take a listen. But he said it's not constitutional what they're doing. How is it not constitutional what they're doing? His point is that the people have an opportunity to weigh in on this constitutional process through their vote. And we are now in the midst of the election. Millions of people have already cast their votes. And you see that the vast majority of people say that they want the person who wins the election on November 3rd to nominate the justice. That's a poll. That's not the Constitution. So by, by trying to... By trying to, that's, that is their, their, there's the constitutional process of advising consent. The American people get to have their say by voting for president, by vote right to have a say in this process. They elected the, the Senate. are trying to ram through, are trying to ram through a, a nominee who, by the way, is going to change the makeup of the court. And we see time and time again, poll after poll shows that most Americans vehemently disagree with this. They again, believe again, Kate, that's that a the poll. vote should happen on November 3rd. That's not what the word constitutional means. Const- Constitutional doesn't mean I like it or I don't like it. It means it's according to the U.S. Constitution. There's nothing unconstitutional about what the U.S. Senate is doing. Did, did they lose Jake Tapper here? <laughs> He's absolutely right. I mean, I was surprised to see this clip. Now, am I surprised that he challenged her? Actually, I am because I've seen Jake Tapper when somebody says something like what she said, and he doesn't even challenge it. But he's right. She's wrong. This is not packing the court. This is not unconstitutional. But yet, the, the left, that's what they want you to believe. The wheels are coming off the bus of Joe Biden's campaign. The wheels are coming up. I got one more clip I'm going to play. This is from uh, this week, uh, ABC News' Jonathan Carl. He confronts a Biden support based on Biden's taxes. Because you remember on, on Biden's tax pledge that no one who makes under $400,000 will be taxed. And it's a complete lie. And you know what? I don't even know Biden's lying, knows he's lying because he may truly believe it given his cognitive uh, abilities right now. But Kamala Harris did the same thing at the vice presidential debate. And it's a complete fabrication that you, under $400,000 person, will not be taxed. Because if you take away Trump's tax cuts, everyone is taxed. So listen to this. Let me ask you, that, uh, Kamala Harris in the VP debate, uh, Senator Harris said that she wanted to with, uh, repeal the Bush, t- I mean, the Trump tax cuts on day one, do away entirely with, with the law. Now, obviously, the Trump tax cuts lowered, significantly lowered the, uh, the tax rate for, the lo- for lower income earners. In fact, the Tax Policy Center found uh, that mi- middle income workers, uh, some middle income workers saw $900 a year in tax savings. So repealing the Trump tax cuts, full on repeal, that does raise taxes on middle income earners, doesn't it? No, look, I, I agree. And, and what I agree that that policy center uh, 
would take that opinion. But okay. uh, what we have seen, and our goal is to not raise taxes on uh, anyone making less than $400,000. So when you see our legislation that will come up uh, day one or day two in the administration, it will not raise taxes on people making less than $400,000 a year. Okay. That's, that's not, that's not true. It will raise taxes. And you saw him with his weasel words in there on day one or day two. They know, they know it's all, it, 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 it's all a game. They know that they're, they're in trouble. The Biden campaign is in trouble and the media is starting to call them on it. And they know this. They absolutely know it. Now, here's the next thing is the enthusiasm gap between Joe Biden and Donald Trump is huge. I mean, huge. You've got several rallies for Trump across the country with uh, huge numbers. And you've got next to nothing for Joe Biden. And it keeps happening over and over and over and over. And that has them worried. Now, here's an article from PJ Media. Are experts underestimating the impact of the enthusiasm gap on the vote? You know, we've been covering the enthusiasm gap for months, the article goes on, uh, trying to gauge what it means for the election. That there is a gap, no one disputes. Some polls, polls have enthusiasm for Trump at an all-time high, while enthusiasm for Biden is at near all-time lows. Now, they make a very good point. It's, does it relate? How does it correspond to, to the polls, to, to the actual election? Is it enough? Again, base election, ladies and gentlemen, base election. So one side has to get their base excited. Each side has to get their base excited to get them out to the polls. And there's a huge enthusiasm gap between Biden and Trump. Now, will it, you know, is there, a, you know, the, the amount of people on Biden's base that hate this president, they're voting against Trump. They're not voting for Biden. There, some of them flat out will say it. I'm not voting for Biden. I'm voting against Trump. We saw that in the 2016 election, but reverse. People weren't voting uh, for Hillary, they were voting against Hillary or voting for Trump. They were voting against Hillary and he won the election. But this is something different. I've been saying this for a while. Never have I seen an enthusiasm that I've seen for this president. You know, here's the story. My, this is from Gateway Pundit, one of those sites that the left absolutely hates. They hate alternative media, hate it. Well, what are we going to do? We're going to go to ABC, NBC, CBS? NBC, MSNBC, CNN, they're not going to give us this. Fox will give you some, but they won't even give you a lot. And Fox usually pulls from sites like Gateway Pundit. No, I'm sorry. The alternative media is now the main media. I mean, I'm not saying mainstream, but if you're getting your news from ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, MSNBC, and even Fox News, you're getting a slant and you're missing a lot of information. There are a lot of sites out there. PJ Media, one of them. Gateway Pundit, another one. The left hate them, so hey, they got to be good. Anyway, Gateway Pundit, and, and the data that they put out isn't fabricated data. I won't produce, I won't, you know, I look at it, and if it doesn't uh, adhere to what I already believe to be true, or, not, or I have to go verify it to be true, I won't put it out there. 
Most of this is pretty obvious stuff. Miami PD estimates more than 30,000 cars participated in anti-communist Latinos for Trump caravan in South Florida. That is huge. Trump needs Florida. I've mentioned this before. He's got to win those battleground states. He has to win the battleground states. And I'm going to go over polling tomorrow on tomorrow's podcast. But Arizona is trending back towards Trump. Florida is trending back towards Trump. We're seeing some trends in Michigan, and I'll get into that in a little bit too. Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin are the three key states. Florida, the enthusiasm in Florida for Trump is unlike anything I've ever seen. I know I say that a lot because I've never seen this. This is just absolutely amazing. But you've seen rallies in California, rallies for Trump in Hawaii that are absolutely huge. There are more people, more Trump supporters that show up at Biden rallies than Biden supporters. There was a story, an article that I, uh, I saw over the weekend. In Arizona, uh, Biden held a rally. No one showed up. The news person was out there reporting on it and even commented, it doesn't look like there's anybody here except Biden staffers. So watch this report. This is that Arizona reporter I was telling you about. And they were reporting on a Joe Biden event and nobody showed up not much to see. Um, I'll step out of the way, but it's kind of boring out here. So it's not your typical campaign, presidential campaign event. We don't see people rallying outside. We don't see um, signs or really much of what's going on. And I'm told by one of the Biden staffers, local staffers, is that they uh, kind of kept the details about the visit as far as the timing and the exact locations. And pretty much all uh, the people that we saw enter into the parking lot about 45 minutes ago were with uh, the Biden-Harris campaign and the uh, pool reporters. So you would expect to see, I mean, it, it, this is a pretty big event for um, the two of them to be campaigning together for the first time since the Democratic National Convention here in Arizona. We've established, our, our state has established itself as a battleground state. And so this is technically a big event, but not a lot of fanfare. So we're getting information about what's going on with these meetings from our uh, national cor correspondent pool reporters. But from out here, you really can't tell anything much is going on. Biden-Harris campaign not releasing a lot of details about where these events are taking place and exactly when. Like I said, you know, this is a huge event politically, but you can't tell by the outside of the Heard Museum. There's really not a lot going on here. Well, Ms. McCain spoke at the virtual Democratic National Convention, recalling the relationship Biden and John McCain formed during the Senate during their Senate careers. She then formally endorsed Biden for president last month, praising his, quote, character and integrity and nobody showed up so that Cindy McCain endorsement woo looks like it was a big win for him he held think about this he held a rally in Arizona and no one showed up Arizona's a battleground state so if Biden's leading in all of these polls what's going on What's going on with these rallies? I mean, if he's leading in all these polls, wouldn't at least people show up? Instead, you got more people that show up at a Biden rally that support Trump than Biden supporters. I know it's anecdotal, but there's something here. Something. 
All right, thought I had to sneeze there. Sorry about that, Captain. If you're watching this on YouTube, I thought I was going to sneeze. All right, here's another one from Gateway Pundit. Rally tally, update, and more incredible Trump car, truck, and boat rallies. And he put together a report, and it has all of the people where they, uh, the number, numbers for Trump rallies and Biden's rallies. So here's Trump rallies. And uh, let's see, this is in September. I'm just going to give you the numbers, okay? One, if you put the charts side by side, which they have, it's mind-boggling. Three, I'm, I'm going to go down just the crowd size for Trump, and then I'm going to go the crowd size for Biden. For Trump, 300, 15,000, 5,500, 15,000, 30, 25,000, 1,000, 500, 15,000, 5,000, 35,000, 5,000, 15,000, 15,000, 400, 35,000, 700, 500, 35,000, 400, 17,000, 10,500, 2,000. Total, 253,830. This is from September 7 to October 11. Biden. Same time frame. Here are the number of attendees at his rallies. Four, 30, seven, three, five, 15, 10, 10, 100, 50, 40, 20, 40, 8, 15, 40, 10. 407 in total. Same time frame. September 7th through October 11th. Now they say the election starts full throttle after Labor Day. This is it after Labor Day. I'm telling you, something's going on. The enthusiasm gap is real, ladies and gentlemen. How can he be leading in the polls and on his way to victory when he can't even get people to show up at a rally? I don't know. I, I don't know how anyone. I mean, there are some here on this list where he has zero in attendance. Zero. And this from the Federalist. Again, another one of those left, those right rags that the left absolutely hates you use. Uh, they start out with a quote, I'm worried he will. That's how they start the article. Trump appears poised to win Obama swing counties north of Detroit. In a state Trump won by a razor-thin margin in 2016, Michigan might be decided in a handful of counties now just now emerging from months of pandemic lockdowns. I'm telling you, something's up. We're, we're getting into this. We're getting into, you know, October is the month to watch. The enthusiasm gap for this president, the polling. I mean, here's the thing is at the peak of last cycle, 2016, um, Hillary peaked in the polls between October 20, October 22. She, you, you could see the trend. She peaks, and then it just drops. And there was an October surprise. That's when Comey released that he was investigating. But is that what we're seeing now? I told you, ladies and gentlemen, as the, as the election gets closer, this is what you got to watch for. Here's another article from American Thinker. Looking beyond the polls, there continue to be signs that Trump will win. There's a delicate balance between hope and false hope. If we have hope, it's incredible what we can do. If we have false hope, as the Democrats did in 2016, when those hopes are dashed, we risk going insane, as the Democrats have done every minute since November 8, 2016. Currently, the big polls show Biden cruising to victory with Trump staggering after. However, Don Serber, 
who predicted Trump's victory last time around, predicts Trump will win as many as 37 states. Now, here's Super goes on to talk about in his blog, uh, in S-U-R-B-E-R, and I'll put it in my show notes too. Follow it. Uh, he goes on to say that uh, on Saturday, Suber, on Saturday, Suber again predicted that Trump would win, but typically he didn't just say, I don't believe the polls. Instead, he drilled down into some fascinating details. The first point he made is the Democrats are suddenly working hard in Pennsylvania one of those key battleground states. Stick with me here. Or as a Yahoo report said, in, campaign final, in campaign's final stretch, Democrats claw their way back in Pennsylvania. Serber went on to point out that if they have to say they're clawing their way back, they've got issues. Even though he leads by 7.1%, Serber asked the right question. If Democrats are that far ahead in Pennsylvania, why is the media saying he is clawing back? Now, in Serber's blog, he goes on to predict Trump will win 330 electoral votes to Biden's 208. All right. So, I'm sorry, he predicts, uh, actually predicted more. That was, uh, let me see, Kevin McCullough, the man who correctly predicted the winning election map since 2006, when no one else did, just posted his prediction map for 2020. And he predicted, this is Kevin McCullough, 330 for Trump, 208 for Biden, whereas Suber predicts more. Uh, let me see, they don't have the tally count, but he predicts 37 states. I'm trying to look for the electoral count of what Suber predicts. But it's more than the 330. I think 362 is what he predicts. So where do we stand? We have the Supreme Court nomination going on this week. And it looks like Trump is going to get a third Supreme Court. Now, you also had some polling and a focus group that Frank Luntz did from the VP debate. They didn't like Kamala Harris. There's a lot of people that don't like Kamala Harris, and they're aware that she's a heartbeat away from the presidency and that Joe Biden has got some issues. So why do I bring us all up? Last week, I, I was like, I was worried. I was starting to look at this and go, wait a minute. If Biden starts trending um, higher in the battleground states, and he kind of started to inch that way because I think Trump's performance in the debate was pretty bad, and I think it did hurt him regardless of what some of the pundits, you know, said, but some of the pundits, what they said was that Trump's debate performance and Pence's debate performance was designed to disenfranchise Biden's base. Was it designed to win the debate? It was designed to push those far left people out of voting. Will it work? The enthusiasm gap for this president is, again, I repeat myself, unlike anything I've ever seen. There's another source called the primary model that predicts Trump win. Don Suber predicts Trump's win. And there's just as many on the, the other side that predicts Biden's win. I'm not going to pretend they don't. But this is it. This is the turning point, in my opinion. I still believe President Trump will win this election. So rest not your weary heart, as they say. And let's watch these polls. When I come back, I want to talk about that Hillary Clinton uh, October surprise. What does that look like? Antifa, as I said, they're rearing their ugly heads. They're still out there. But why aren't you hearing much about Antifa right now? And uh, I'm going to play you that Keith 
Keith Oberman clip, clip, which is just astounding, just astounding. We'll be right back. Politics and brown liquor. Please be sure to visit our website, thepblpodcast.com. Like, share, follow, subscribe, and rate this podcast to help move us up in the algorithm because life is not the matrix. It's an algorithm. Very excited to tell you about a partnership I have with Hollywood casting director, Kathy Rinking. Now, Kathy, who's been in the Hollywood business since 1994, casting for films and televisions, has put together a workshop where she takes her acting chops and teaches business professionals charisma coaching. Now, Kathy has been working with actors for years, teaching them how to be more charismatic on camera. So why is charisma coaching for you, if you are in business and you are in front of people or your staff, your team is in front of people, whether it be through networking, public speaking, or even dealing with the media on camera, charisma coaching will help you uncover your natural sexiness. Yes, I said sexiness. It'll help you create chemistry in the room by making about the other person. It'll show you how to express vulnerability and still show strength, as well as control the adrenaline rush when they're either with a crowd of people or, again, talking with the media in front of camera. So if you are in business and your team is out there interacting, or if you want to develop a skill set where you're comfortable in front of a crowd and a camera, then contact Kathy at youritfactor.net or reach out to her via phone at 720-985-8852. That is youritfactor.net. You're going to love this workshop. 